everybody, this is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast for Wednesday, October 16th, 2019. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, a contributor to Athlon Sports and NBCSports.com. And in today's episode, we continue to look forward to this upcoming week's game between Penn State and Michigan in a Big Ten primetime matchup before the whiteout crowd Saturday night. To help me continue our look at the Michigan Wolverines, today we're going to be joined by my friend Ian Castleberry, a Michigan man in his own right and host of the podcast. We'll have some fun with him because we're going to dive into a couple non-football questions as well because Ian is a pop culture connoisseur and I want to dive a little off topic every now and then, keep things fresh and give you something else to look forward to. But uh, we have a lot of Penn State, Michigan stuff to get into with Ian as well. Locked On Nittany Lions is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We do this show every Monday through Friday, and we get this posted as soon as possible, so it's there for you at any time of the day. And we hope that you'll help support the show by subscribing in your favorite podcasting platform. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. And if you want to go a little bit further, if you can leave a rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate the feedback, and it also helps with our placement on these various podcasting platforms. So the more you can do to help us out, the more we're going to appreciate it moving forward and We really wanted to do this show for you guys, make sure it's something that you want to come back to and enjoy and hopefully spread the word. You can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and follow us over to Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give us a like there. We've got some good content on both the Twitter and the Facebook machines that will keep you occupied and entertained, hopefully, and bring a smile to your face as often as we can throughout the week in addition to sharing these episodes with you guys there. To today, I'm looking forward to this interview with Ian, and we're going to get to that right away in our first segment. Here we go. Joining me today on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast is Ian Castleberry, a Michigan guy who I wanted to bring on because I respect his sports opinions, and he's a very good dude, and I'm really looking forward to finally get a chance to talk to him in podcast form. Ian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm very flattered. Uh, I miss working with you. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Uh, we, go, we go back a little ways, and uh, I'm happy that we're finally able to reunite and get something going here. Hopefully, it's not the last time. I should mention Ian Castleberry, host of the podcast, which is a, a really fun podcast. I was listening to it earlier today. Uh, Ian's got a really good voice, and uh, it's, really, it's really cool how you put your shows together. I really appreciate it. If anyone's a sports fan, pop culture fan, they've got to be following you on Twitter, at Ian Cass. Uh, and we're going to get to some, some fun little pop culture items uh, later on in the show. But, Ian, we got a big game this week, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Michigan yes, and Penn State. And uh, you know, I'll bring you on because I want to get your take on the state of the Michigan Wolverines. So we're going to go over some topics here. But before I ask you some questions, give me your general sense for where Michigan is at this point in time heading into this weekend's game. I think Michigan is probably in better shape than the fan base uh, thinks it is. Uh, I know uh, people aren't happy with uh, the the second half collapse uh, against Illinois last week, uh, especially in the third quarter. And I think the most reason it's concerning is because the same problems seem to be popping up. But, um, you know, I think uh, losing at Wisconsin uh, earlier in the season, uh, you know, it was nothing to be ashamed of the way they lost, how they lost. Uh, should be a, a concern, the fact that they got pushed around. But uh, I, I think um, Michigan is about where they should be going into what's a really tough stretch on their schedule. 
Yeah, and you can say the same thing about Penn State going through a pretty tough stretch right now. Obviously, coming off the Iowa win uh, last week on the road, got Michigan this week. Michigan State's right around the corner, and they've given Penn State a lot of problems the last couple of years. Uh, so we've got some interesting points of the season, and really, you know, midway point of the season for both teams, and the, the Big Ten race is going to start heating up, especially in this Big Ten East where everybody seems to be chasing Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that's really bugging Michigan fans is that the gap between uh, Michigan and Ohio State uh, seems to be uh, larger than ever. Uh, you know, what are we, we seven games into the season, uh, eight weeks in, into the season. Uh, Michigan doesn't look as smooth or crisp on offense uh, as I think everybody would like. You'd like to see Michigan, uh, you know, really smoothing things out, playing at their best uh, going in uh, to this tough stretch, as I mentioned, and then really building uh, toward, uh, you know, what you would hope would be their best game of the season, uh, the finale against uh, Ohio State. But, um, yeah, I, I think uh, you said it exactly. Every, everybody's uh, chasing Ohio State right now, who, who has to be. I'd be curious what you think about this. I mean, Ohio State, they just seem much better than people might have expected going into this year. Well, I actually said all summer long that Ohio State was still going to be the team to beat, and I see no reason to change that opinion. Uh, I understand you know, reasons why some people were hopping on Michigan as a, a Big Ten favorite for many uh, coming into the season. Just given the, the new head coach at Ohio State, a new quarterback, you don't know quite what to expect. But now that we see it all uh, going pretty well for Ohio State, I think we can understand that maybe some of these preseason expectations – were a little misguided. Maybe not so much in the East, but certainly in the West where it seemed like Nebraska was the team that a lot of people were jumping up and hyping up going into the season. You know, a lot of people were thinking, you know, Michigan-Nebraska for the Big Ten title. I'm not ready to say it's completely out of the picture just yet, but it doesn't look like we're heading in that direction. Yeah, I don't think that would be that bold, sta that bold a statement if you were to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, you know, Ohio State and Wisconsin doing their things. You know, I think Wisconsin's going to be the team to beat in that division. Hey, Locked On Nittany Lions podcast listeners, this is Kevin McGuire, and I just want to give a quick reminder before we continue our interview with Ian Castleberry that you can give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On Nittany and hop on over to Facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. Give us a like there, and we're going to continue our conversation with Ian in our next segment. But let's get back to Michigan real quick, and I just want to kind of point out once again that uh, – New offense coordinator Josh Gaddis. Penn State fans obviously know him very well. Uh, and we've seen the last couple of weeks he's gone from the press box down to the field level. And I, I don't know if we really are able to tell whether or not that's actually impacting the offense. I'm curious what your take on that is, if there is one at this point. I think it's the right move. Uh, I mean, you're correct. Uh, there, there doesn't necessarily seem to be a difference on the field, but uh, to, to see him, and maybe this is just visual, you know, to see him uh, coaching the players on the sideline, to, to be a little more uh, uh, in a position to pump people up as opposed to being detached uh, from the rest of the coaching staff, from the players uh, up in the booth. Uh, I think it's a good move that's eventually uh, going to pay uh, some dividends. But as far as does it make a, a difference in the play calling, uh, I don't think we've seen that yet. I still think there's some fundamental uh, problems with uh, play design or, you know, the philosophy, uh, how, how Michigan uh, is trying to establish its offensive identity, uh, or really the fact that they don't have an offensive identity at this point. 
I guess one of the reasons he did come down to the field level is really so he could have a little bit more direct communication with the players, you know, obviously when they're on the sidelines and maybe during the plays as well, but not during the plays, but, you know, when they're making the, the decisions for what they're going to do, uh, you know, obviously cutting out any kind of distance in between coach and players, probably always a good thing, especially for an offense that hasn't really been going through that transition. And I think the way a lot of people were expecting this season. Yeah, and uh, Gaddis is on the sideline during practice, so I think uh, to bring that into the game, uh, that, that same relationship, that same intensity uh, is a good thing. And we've seen some examples where Gaddis will get uh, in the face of a wide receiver. Uh, it was uh, two weeks ago, I think he uh, was critical. I believe it was Nico Collins who, uh, you know, on, on a third down route, you know, I think it was like third and six or something, and he only ran like a four or five yard route. And it was kind of getting on on the player to you know to make sure to stretch that route out to to uh, to get past the chains, and that's something that he wouldn't be able to do uh, in the booth. And again, I think that maybe there's a little more accountability there on the sideline, uh, some instant feedback, uh, which uh, you know that that sort of thing can can be beneficial uh, in any working environment. Well, I got to ask about the turnovers uh, that have been a problem for Michigan. Obviously, so many fumbles this year. What is it about the, the fumble-itis that Michigan seems to have come down with this season? Is it something that can be corrected against a, a very good defensive team that's certainly going to be looking to cause those turnovers? At this point, I do wonder if it can be corrected. I, I don't know if, if Shea Patterson just needs to – uh, concentrate more on holding on to the ball if uh, you know I've, I've seen some speculation that maybe it's the Nike footballs that are a, a little bit uh, more slippery uh, which you know I, is, I guess people are trying to rationalize any good reason I mean I think it has to do mostly just with the style of offense uh, uh, the RPO uh, you know does uh, uh, Patterson you know uh, hand the ball off does he keep it does he does he throw the ball maybe it's a little bit much for him uh, on a couple of plays and, and I think his decision making when it uh, comes to what, rather to keep the ball uh, or, or to hand it off I think sometimes that initial uh, confusion uh, results in maybe uh, you know him not having as good a grip on the ball or making uh, the decision uh, whether whether to give or keep uh, you know too late uh, in the play, so the defense uh, is right there. But it's it's astounding how difficult uh, Michigan has has had a time with, with holding onto the ball. And it's not just Patterson; it's uh, mm -hmm. it's uh, the running backs as well. And you know, any offense, any level of football, if you're not able to hold on to the ball, uh, especially from your running backs, it's just a huge problem. And it's it's almost comical <laughs> in, in terms of how loose they've been with the football. Well, while the offense may have its struggles, the one thing I think that Michigan can typically rely on and toss the Wisconsin game aside for a moment is the defense. Because I, I still think that Michigan has one of the better defensive units in the Big Ten. And that's why I'm looking at this upcoming game between Penn State and Michigan and I look at the way that these two teams are capable of playing defense. I don't think we're going to see a blowout either way the way we've seen in the series the last couple of years. I think this is a much tighter game and low scoring, just given the fact that Michigan's offense is a little questionable. Penn State, I still think, has some questions about their offense against a good defensive team. Do you think that this is going to be a race to 20, 24 points or something like that, kind of like we've seen with these two teams against Iowa the last couple of weeks? 
I think so, but I think it'll depend for Michigan as to whether or not the defense uh, is on the field at first or even earlier in the game, uh, try to establish itself uh, against that Penn State offense. Whereas if Michigan's offense has the ball first, sometimes, especially in road games, they just seem really tight and, and the failure to execute. And you mentioned the fumble problems. Uh, those can exacerbate themselves. And if they struggle early on, whether it's holding out of the football or a three and out, that puts pressure on that defense. And I think that that has a tendency to snowball uh, with this Michigan team. But if the defense is able to establish itself early, uh, I, I think uh, we will see a, a lower scoring game uh, in the 20s uh, from each team, as you mentioned. All right, Ian, uh, we've talked long enough about Michigan and we've barely mentioned the head coach. So we're going to do that in our next segment, okay? All right. We're talking to Ian Castleberry, host of the podcast, our Michigan go-to guy for this episode of the podcast. And Ian, we've talked about the Michigan-Penn State game in our last segment. And today, or in this segment, we're going to talk about the head coach. And we got to do it because it's Jim Harbaugh. Everybody talks about Jim Harbaugh. You can't, have, you can't have a week go by without some mention of Jim Harbaugh. And I'm going to try and get our Jim Harbaugh quota filled in this segment right now. <laughs> um, we know uh, – we know how much he's paid, but we also look at the record. That's something that's going to be continuing to uh, be thrown in his face every time something is going wrong uh, for Jim Harbaugh. We know the, the record against teams like Michigan State and Ohio State. Fortunately for him, he's actually got a really good record against Penn State, and that's something that James Franklin's trying to sway the other way. The stat that I think a lot of people are going to look at this week is Jim Harbaugh's record on the road against ranked opponents – one and six coming in. Uh, Penn State's obviously in the top ten right now, so it's going to be another road game against a ranked opponent. Is how how alarming is this if you're a Michigan fan as far as Jim Harbaugh is concerned with the future of this program? Is, is there any reason to think that this is going to all blow up in some way? It's a concern, especially you know, playing a night game at Penn State uh, in that environment. Uh, as I mentioned before, Michigan on the road seems to just come out really tight. And I don't know if it's a question of, you know, that they need to, to script plays or uh, he just the, the team just doesn't seem ready. They seem too tight. And all of a sudden, if one thing goes wrong, uh, they all seem uh, to, to fall apart. I don't know if it's just uh, that Harbaugh is uh, too intense uh, on the road or, or needs to, you know, on offense, maybe come up with, with some simpler plays, runs, or, or short passes to try and establish a comfort level. I, I think uh, a big problem with Michigan's offense uh, under Harbaugh has been uh, some plays that take uh, far too long to develop. And especially on the road, uh, when you have a loud crowd, maybe you can't hear the snap count. Uh, all sorts of difficulties uh, it can make it uh, hard to, to, to reach a, a comfort level. And that really seems to be a problem for Michigan uh, under Harbaugh on the road. We all know that every fan base has fans that are going to react to very extremes one way or the other when it comes to criticizing their own team. And I, I have a cousin who is a diehard Michigan fan, and he can't stand the fact that Jim Harbaugh is being paid so much money without a Big Ten championship, which I think is a fair criticism to have to a certain degree. But you know, I think that there are some people that kind of overreact to uh, the Jim Harbaugh experience at Michigan. Yes, it hasn't led to a Big Ten title just yet, but I – I always look at this and say, Michigan seems like they're in really good hands as a program. And obviously, 
they want to take another step forward, but, but you're looking at a team that has been very close to playing for a couple Big Ten titles, possibly a spot in the playoff, just within the last few years. So I go to you as the guy that's well-reasoned and, and kind of uh, can keep a balanced opinion on all this stuff. What, what is the job security like for Jim Harbaugh? Let people know where you're coming from on this. Well, I hope this is co- coming across as the voice of reason. Uh, some Michigan fans, uh, this might upset them to, to hear this, but I think Jim Harbaugh's job security is tight. I, I think he is, you know, this has not come out or it's not in writing, but I think he's Michigan's coach as long as he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, barring any sort of scandal, I don't think his his job status is in danger. Uh, as you mentioned, and I think this is a really good point that bears repeating to Michigan fans and, and to college football fans in general, the Michigan football program is in much better shape than it was under Rich Rodriguez, certainly under Brady Hoke. The, the program, the football program and the athletic program in general is making a ton of money because of Jim Harbaugh. And that alone, obviously, uh, Michigan fans want him to win more games, you know, want him to win the big games, want him to win a Big Ten title, want him to be, want Michigan to be in the college uh, football playoff. But he is doing what he was brought to Michigan to do. He is winning games. He may not be winning as many or the big ones, but he is winning. And there, there's as much interest in Michigan football uh, as there's ever been. And I know Harbaugh, the, the expectations, uh, you know, he's a victim of his own hype and his own expectations. But he, he raised the bar to that point. I think I, I don't think Jim Harbaugh has anything to worry about. I know uh, plenty of uh, Michigan fans and, and college football fans and, and observers in general uh, expect more out of, of Jim Harbaugh. And in, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I expect more of Jim Harbaugh. I mean, going into year five, yeah, I would like them to be uh, in the national championship hunt. I would like them to be up there with Ohio State uh, and Clemson and Alabama. Uh, they're clearly you know, in that second tier, if you even want to put them uh, up there. So, so that is a, a little bit disappointing, but the football program, the Michigan program is in very good shape compared to where it was before Harbaugh came to Ann Arbor. I think sometimes he's almost a victim of the fact that we're in this college football playoff era where one loss seems to be uh, something that we're going to overreact to just a little bit more from a national sense. And, you know, the, the loss of Wisconsin wasn't good. Let's, let's be honest. But at that point in the season, there's still so much football still to be played. And if you look at the schedule, Michigan's going to have plenty of opportunities to kind of bounce back. They come into this week only five and one. I mean, that's a real, that's a pretty good record, right? And the only loss is on the road against a team that's in the top 10, you, you come out of this game with a win. You're 6-1. and one, You got a victory on the road against Penn State. And all of a sudden, you're still in the thick of this Big Ten East race. So, you know, that's what I say, you know, to everybody. You know, one loss in September isn't far from an elimination for any team, any conference. That's the, really the message I've been trying to get across. And, you know, I think the same message can be said to a lot of Penn State fans because there's a lot of similarities. You know, people – People sure. who follow Penn State want a little bit more out of James Franklin. But, you know, this is a program that's in so much of a better shape right now than it was a decade ago. And we, we don't need to go down that path. But, uh, but I just feel like James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh, they may do things their different ways, but they're both ways that are succeeding in so many ways that a lot of people don't really give credit for. Absolutely. Uh, the, you said it, the, the playoff era – that environment in college football has, has really changed uh, expectations. I mean, 
you know, talk about James Franklin and Jim Harbaugh. I mean, coaches used to get five years, right, before uh, there uh, was any sort of verdict uh, mm-hmm. on their tenure. Um, I mean, I think you still have to look at the fact, uh, speaking uh, for Michigan, they are getting the talent. They are getting the players. Now, maybe you can take issue with how those players uh, are being coached or how they're being utilized. And Michigan has some outstanding talent at wide receiver that I don't think is being utilized uh, to its full potential. Maybe uh, Jim Harbaugh has a little bit too much Bo Schembechler in him and is, is you know, always going to lean on the run, falling in love uh, with the run. Uh, it's not just that Michigan might win or might lose a game. It's how they look in doing so. You know, they didn't win by enough or they didn't right. look smooth or they didn't dominate. Uh, and those, those sorts of expectations, I, I don't know if any team could, could live up to them. And look, at the end of the day, Michigan and Penn State have one hurdle that's really been kind of consistent between the two. And that's the fact that Urban Meyer was at Ohio State kind of getting that program uh, off and running the way that it was. Uh, because he certainly rejuvenated that program. And everybody's been kind of adapting and trying to catch up a little bit. And I think both Michigan and Penn State have taken some strides in not necessarily just closing the gaps with Ohio State, but you know, kind of changing the way that those programs recruit and develop the talent. And I think that that's ultimately been good for the entire division and the entire conference. Yeah, it's raised the profile of the Big Ten and the level of play. I mean, Urban Meyer has raised the bar, you know, the, the type of athlete – uh, that's come into the Big Ten, the speed, uh, the sort of offense. Uh, we, you know, it, it. The Big Ten still had that reputation of, you know, a big, heavy lineman, uh, three mm-hmm. yards in a cloud of dust, run the ball, win the conference. And Urban Meyer changed all of that, which I, I agree with you. That's a good thing for the entire Big Ten. And if we're being honest, uh, Michigan, Iowa, and Penn State, Iowa didn't do a whole lot to progress that <laughs> that message, no. but uh, it is what it is. Uh, Ian, real quick, one last question before we go on to our final segment. We'll have some fun with that one. Who do you think has more pressure to win this game? James Harbaugh, who is one in six on the road against ranked opponents, or James Franklin, who's one in four against Michigan? Yeah, maybe I'm looking at this through uh, Michigan colored glasses, but I think if Michigan. Uh, loses this game, or especially if they lose badly, uh, you know, just the same arguments uh, that we've been talking about, you know, yeah. can't win on the road, can't win against uh, ranked teams, uh, all of that is going to come up and that drum's going to be beaten. Uh, but how do you see it? I sort of see it the same way. I don't know if I, I feel like this is a, lo- a game where if Penn State were to lose this game, if it's a close game, I don't think it ultimately harms too much, but I think it goes back to that record and the people that are going to criticize James Franklin are just going to continue to pound on it. And, you know, deservingly so. This is a home game, of course, but I just feel like on a national sense, I think there's going to be more pressure and more reaction if something goes poorly for Jim Harbaugh. I think that's just the way it's going to be because there's just something about his personality that people are going to latch on to positive or negatively a little bit more extremely to as opposed to James Franklin, who's going to get his fair share of criticism, I think. But, you know, I think there's just something about Jim Harbaugh. Maybe it's the fact that he wears that hat all the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's put a target on his chest, you know, yeah. with, with all the, you know, he, he says some controversial things in the media, you know, he does things like take the team to Rome and South Africa and, and whatnot. And it, and I, I think it's created a, a huge amount of resentment among uh, his fellow coaches, certainly uh, in the state of Michigan. Mark D'Antonio, I think he just can't, can't even bear to hear Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> name. And, and coaches who have uh, accomplished more in the Big Ten uh, resent all the attention that uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, brings on himself. 
You know what though? I, I can't help but admire it. Uh, honestly, I, I think that I think it's awesome the way that Jim Harbaugh has come in and kind of uh, become the face of Michigan the way that uh, I think a lot of people were expecting to. And you know, we'll see where it goes from here. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend, for sure. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun following this game and seeing where Michigan and Penn State go after this week as well. Uh, Ian, we're going to have some fun in our final segment of the today's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about some non-football things because I want to get your take on some pop culture items that have been itching in my brain, been waiting to get them out to you and see what you have to say about some things for a uh, little non-football stuff to wrap up our show today. All right, cool. Looking forward to it. Talking to Ian Castleberry, the host of the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian Cass on the, and this is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. This is our final segment, Ian, and I want to dive out of the world of football because I got to get your take on some pop culture items that I know I've been itching to ask you because I know you're a pop culture connoisseur of sorts. And uh, I got to get your take on, (laughs) yes, and I've always admired the stuff you do covering movies and anytime there's some kind of a comic book superhero movie news. I know you're going to have a reaction to it. And that's actually one of the things I want to talk to you real quickly about in our final segment here, because uh, I got to take, get your take the Joker movie. You, you give me, give me a quick reaction to the Joker movie. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. I, I know you reviewed it. I purposely did not read it or hear anything that you said about it. Cause I wanted to get your take here. Okay. Uh, thumbs up, but a reserve thumbs up. Uh, I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Um, I, I just, it, it's, it was a much darker bleaker movie than I expected it to be. Maybe I, I should have expected that with Joaquin Phoenix in the lead. Um, I, I know we're talking about a character who ultimately becomes, you know, a, a, a lethal, insane killer. Mm-hmm. But this movie, to me, it, it needed a little more fun to it. I'm not saying like it should have been just like campy and flamboyant like Jack Nicholson or Cesar Romero or something like that. Or, or you know, and Heath Ledger covered the dark Mm-hmm. Uh, Joker uh, in the Dark Knight, but I just I I, I wanted a little more fun uh, out of this movie that I don't think is there at all. I totally agree with you. I I didn't know really what to expect, so I kind of went in with an open mind at first when they announced that they were doing a Joker movie, but it's not a part of that whole DC cinematic universe, whatever they call it now, uh, and it, it wasn't going to have Batman. I was like, what? That's like making a Venom movie without Spider-Man. But you know what? <laughs> they rake in the money, right? So I guess and they still couldn't avoid it anyway, right? I, I, feel, I feel like they tried so hard, but whether it was Warner Brothers saying, well, okay, look, you got to at least acknowledge. Batman um right and and then it just sets up you know now there's because since Joker's been such a success you know is there going to be a sequel and 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 the director Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix were so determined there's not going to be a sequel this is going to be a standalone story uh people I mean why do you think people love this movie so much I mean is Joker that popular a character is it because he's associated with Batman I'm a little bit surprised given how dark the movie is and the subject matter that it's been such a hit it's got to be the fact that it's Joker. People love the Joker, right? I mean, anytime the Joker's in a Batman movie, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, you know, the Joker has a strong history in the comic book uh, superhero movie TV show. You know, Mark Hamill, of course, uh, popularized the, the cartoon Joker. There's just been a, a strong lineage of Jokers throughout history. And I think there's just something about that character that draws people in. But I'm with you. I think uh, it would have been nice if it was a, I'm not saying it needed to be completely lighthearted, but yeah, you know, a movie about the Joker, I would have expected a little bit more lighthearted moments along the way, but it, it wasn't bad. 
um, I don't know if I need to see it again. But I no, am curious. It's just a bummer. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, when it's on HBO or or one of the streaming channels, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, I'm not going to go see it again. Well, I, we know that there is another Batman movie being made. They just cast a, a Catwoman, right? So um, that's right. Yeah. So do we know anything else about the Batman just yet about plot wise or anything like that? Uh, no, uh, I mean, it's supposed to be a younger Batman, but maybe not necessarily following like uh, the Frank Miller year one storyline. I've heard rumors that maybe it's going to kind of follow uh, if you're familiar with Batman, the long Halloween comic book uh, miniseries uh, where it's kind of a, uh, a, a true crime story that somehow incorporates all of the, the, the different uh, villains from Batman's rogues gallery. But uh, yeah, so like you mentioned, the, the cast Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz is going to play Catwoman. Uh, rumors are that jo- Jonah Hill's been cast, but they don't know whether people assume he's going to be the Penguin, but uh, there have been reports maybe he's going to be the Riddler. Uh, so it's fun that, that there will be uh, a, a lot of these uh, Batman villains, especially uh uh, different takes on them and you know maybe ones that we haven't seen before but um, usually the more villains that are in a movie uh, that usually doesn't work for these movies no especially Batman movies it seems like that right. has been one of the shortcomings uh, throughout the the Batman movies uh, I, I'll tell you what though I would like to see the Riddler come back in one of these movies I would like to see a, a kind of an updated take on that on the Riddler because I think he's a really good Batman enemy <laughs> that I think they think of he is I, I always thought like man if I was ever uh, a writer of Batman comic books I, the Riddler I think would be the one guy I could not handle because you have to think of these riddles right like oh, I'm, not, I'm not really good at that but did you, you uh, did you hear that report that supposedly Christopher Nolan uh, was looking at um, oh, the Riddler for maybe the, the Dark Knight Rises originally and he wanted him maybe to be kind of like a Zodiac killer like uh, you know how the Zodiac killer sent uh, messages to the police, but and the Riddler would have done that with his riddles. I, I think I remember seeing something like that. That would have been an interesting that take. Would have been and, and I think yeah. you're right. He's a, a villain that is just uh, begging uh, for, for a more modern interpretation. I, I will be honest, Jim Carrey as the Riddler was one of my guilty pleasures <laughs> in years past. I think for, for the way that that movie was presented, I thought he was pretty good in that role. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take that to my grave. <laughs> uh, but I, I am curious, um, you, you mentioned HBO earlier. Give me a take. You know, I don't have a whole lot of time to watch a lot of TV right now during football season. But I got to ask, what should I be watching on TV right now? Uh, succession. I, I almost feel like people talk about that show too much. But it really is good and and it is just the dialogue and how unlikable most of the characters are which isn't doesn't always make a tv show appealing but uh you almost wonder like whether you should be rooting for any of these people they're ridiculously rich they're so uh, out of touch and the things they do you know have a a negative effect on society uh, two seasons i think it's 20 episodes now uh, if you had to binge one show on hbo i think that would be the way to go well i'm glad you said that because i'm working my way through season one as we speak so oh, <laughs> excellent. I'm, I'm about six or seven episodes in at this point and i'm i'm enjoying it so i'm very curious to see where this goes and, and you're right i don't like any of these characters but uh <laughs> but i can't help but see you know who i'm gonna pull for in the next episode it's it's it is a good show um uh, what else you got going on right now as far as pop culture? What, what are you keeping an eye on? 
Uh, well, uh, with HBO, uh, Watchmen, I think, is, is really curious. I mean, uh, very popular comic book. Uh, the movie was sort of a, a hit. But do people care enough about Watchmen to, to tune into a series that's more of a spinoff of the book or like a continuation of the book or the original movie? Uh, I, I'm very interested in it, but I do wonder if a wider audience uh, is going to be interested in Watchmen. Are you interested in Watchmen? I will give it a look. I remember seeing the movie. I didn't really know anything about it going in. Uh, and I'm not really sure I understood everything that was going on, I think, as I look back on it. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. But I'll give it a chance. I'll, give it, you know, I'll check it out. But like a big, serious Sunday night uh, drama that's uh, based in superheroes. I mean, this, this is the culture we live in. I love it. It is. I mean, if you're a comic fan, uh, there are so many options right now. Um, I've actually... I'm trying to get caught up on the, the DC Arrowverse that they've got going on now. Uh, I'm already behind as the seasons have just started up again. So they're filling up on my DVR. <laughs> Me too. Um, no, I, I get so behind on those shows. I think I actually, last year I just kind of gave up halfway through, but I mean, you mentioned what uh, I'm looking forward to and you mentioned the Arrowverse and this crisis on infinite earths crossover mm -hmm. that they're going to have with all these series. And then they're bringing in all these characters that, that haven't been on the, the Arrowverse shows, but are connected to, uh, you know, DC, uh, whether in the movies or TV, you know, Brandon Routh's going to come back as a version of Superman. There's, there's uh, going to be an older Batman of, uh, played by Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, the animated series. Uh, those are just a couple of, of the many, many guest stars uh, that are going to be in this crossover. I, I almost think there's no way it can possibly be as cool as I'm expecting. That's that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's why I'm going to try and stay caught up on all these shows because, you know, sometimes there's some themes and some plot lines that carry over from the individual seasons. But, you know, I think the crossovers are pretty good. Uh, pretty, I, I think they're pretty cool what they've been doing with them. They think they've gotten a little bit better as the years have gone by. I thought last year's was really good. And I'm really looking forward to this, uh, this, this upcoming one. So do you know when that's going to be airing? How much I think time it I starts have? in December. Okay, I got um, time. Oh, yeah, you definitely have time. It's stressed in December, and I think they're also taking a break in between, you know, like uh, during yeah. the holidays. They break up the season. Yeah, they're going to yeah. break it up. So, like, it'll it'll stop in, like, uh, you know, mid-December and then resume in, in early January or something like that. All right, Ian. Well, that's all I have for you. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick moment just to let our listeners uh, know how they can follow you, anything else you have going on, anything that you do want to plug. Uh, now is your time to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Uh, you've been really generous. Uh, you know, I, yeah, you can find uh, me on Twitter at Ian Cass. That's I-A-N-C-A-S-S. -S. Uh, it's the same on Facebook, uh, <laughs> on Instagram, uh, Ian Cass 6873. Um, I do uh, have a blog uh, at Ian uh, It doesn't get as updated uh, as it should, but uh, thank you for mentioning the podcast. That's been kind of my new baby. Uh, trying to get a, uh, into uh, uh, podcasting and, and uh, you know sometimes shows don't work when you when you uh, you know have some sports have some pop culture have some personal stories but uh, I've tried to make it work and uh, people uh, seem to be responding which is uh, really gratifying well you got a subscriber in me and hopefully a few more people oh, uh, carry on uh, and give you a follow because it is a, a fun podcast to listen to and I think you do a really good job putting them together Ian it was a pleasure Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Thanks so much for uh, having me on, Kevin. And congratulations uh, on the uh, Lockdown Nittany show. I was thrilled to see uh, uh, you get that show. I, I can't imagine a better person to host it.
but I could not imagine any kinder words being spoken to me. So I want to thank you that and your check will be in the mail as soon as I finish <laughs> up the recording. But yeah, yeah, it was good talking to you and we will definitely do this again in the future. All right. All right. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. And that's going to be a wrap on this episode of Locked On Nittany Lions here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My sincere thanks to my friend Ian Castleberry. Again, go make sure you're following him on Twitter at Ian Cass and give his podcast a listen. You don't have to be a Michigan fan to appreciate the stuff that he's putting together on his podcast. It's not really for Michigan fans. So if you are interested in what you heard today and you want to get a little bit more out of Ian, go check out the podcast. It's on iTunes. I'm subscribed. You should be subscribed as well. And you should be subscribed to the Locked On Nittany Lions, of course, because we put these shows out every day, Monday through Friday. We're talking Penn State football, and this is a big week. We've got Michigan coming up with the whiteout game, and we've got a lot of good stuff happening on the podcast week. And the numbers have been pretty good. I'm very pleased with some of the results we've had in our relaunch of the show. We're into our third week right now, and I'm having a lot of fun putting these shows together. Hopefully you're having fun listening to it and continuing to spread the word about what we're doing here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and any of your favorite podcasting apps of choice. Make sure you leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing, and we'll take your feedback and see what we can do to improve this show moving forward, because ultimately, we want you coming back. We want you to be a part of the show, and that's why we ask you to also give us a follow on Twitter and on Facebook, at Locked On Nittany. Join our online community there as well as we talk Penn State football all day long, all year round. It never stops here on Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire. At Kevin on CFB is the Twitter handle. And in tomorrow's episode, it's going to be our Big Ten preview show. Once again, we're going to take a look at the Big Ten schedule for this upcoming weekend and touch on some of the other games that are going on around the conference, including Friday night's game between Ohio State and Northwestern. Should Northwestern pull a major stunner, that game Saturday night in Happy Valley is going to have a few more consequences on the line, although I don't think Ohio State's going to lose. Spoiler alert, I know, I should have said that earlier. But we'll talk about the Big Ten football schedule this upcoming weekend in Thursday's show. We'll also dive into the mailbag if we have any questions. You can send your questions at any time on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. For Ian Castleberry, I am Kevin McGuire. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow. And until tomorrow, I'll talk to you then.